0: This is Age of Treason Radio. First thing I remember was asking Papa why, for oh, there were many things I didn't know. On the White Network. With your host, Tan Stoffel. And Left and right, this is a very elementary topic. It's what everyone already knows or should know about politics. It's common sense. Unfortunately, it isn't so common. Left and right are political terms, and politics generally speaking, is the de- discussion, the debate, the warfare over state or societal or organizational policies. So politics is the fight over what the policies should be. And it's a subset of life, life as a game. And the most important part of this game of life is that it's up to you to figure out what the object of the game is and what the rules are. Uh, and when I call it a game, I'm speaking metaphorically, it's uh, reality, really. It's trying to figure out what this reality that you're born into is all about. And politics is a subset of that. And the interesting thing about this is that nobody – can tell you nobody will tell you and nobody really can tell you what these what what the object is of life and what the rules are or actually many people will claim that they can tell you but that they give you these conflicting tales and it's really up to you uh, to figure it out for yourself which is right and uh much of this, you can really only learn indirectly. There aren't any books that will sum it all up for you that you can go and, and read, or there's really a cacophony, uh, uh, an overabundance of uh, of information in that regard. You really can only figure it out by paying attention, close attention, to how things actually work, to what's really Going on in reality, uh, more that so than what other people say about how things should be or how they think things are. You have to see it and understand it for yourself. Now, when I talk about rules, I'm not talking about laws. Okay. Laws are, uh, things that are man-made and they're broken and they're violated. All the time. Uh, thou shalt not murder or steal, uh, broken all the time. They're the basis, those kind of principles are the basis for our, our laws. And people, there are serious consequences. People go to jail, uh, for breaking those laws. I'm not saying that they're not important, but when I talk about rules and what I'm, what I'm discussing here, what I'm getting at here are really the properties of this reality around us, so the properties of nature, things that can't just be violated uh, at will without consequences, without, uh, uh, you know, that don't require necessarily um, police to come around and enforce that nature itself will enforce the punishment, enforce the uh, the penalty. Now, one of these rules that I can um, identify as a, uh, Amongst the most important is the rule that a group trumps any individual. The power of a group uh, overpowers the power of an individual. And a related rule is that a group also, and this is kind of paradoxical, a group also uh, trumps everybody. And, uh, that requires some explaining, I think, in that what I'm getting at there is a focused group that is aware of itself and is pursuing its interests, its narrow interests, will trump a larger group that isn't aware of its interests and instead has a, a fuzzier, more diverse, uh, view as to what it's, what it is and, uh, and what its interests are. You think of, um, I don't know, a, a pack of uh, predators uh, running around uh, in, in a herd, a larger herd of um, herbivores, you know, uh, that that aren't hunters, that are just uh, scared herd animals, and uh, how those predators can easily take down the. Uh, you know, separate out and take down individuals of that herd even though the, the herd may be far larger and often is and it's a has to do with uh, the strategies that are used and and the narrowness the focus of the identity of that group uh, it's its a sureness in itself and its common cause now a corollary of these two rules that the group trumps an individual and the groups trump everybody's uh, or larger groups, is that really groups are – only groups are competitive with other groups, and they have to be of uh, comparable heft. As I say, the larger group that's less focused will be trumped by a smaller group that is more focused. And a smaller group, even if it's focused, is going to lose to a larger group uh, that's uh, focused to a comparable degree. Now, the most elementary rules for groups, I've talked about before when talking about group identity, and the two that uh, come up right away are, well, who is this group? What identifies this group? What defines us? How do we identify ourselves? How do we recognize ourselves? That kind of uh, rule. And then the second is, once you decide who's in your group, Who's a member of your group is is the um, argument about well what's best for our group what should we do now now that we recognize ourselves where should we go who do we need to uh, uh, defeat in order to get what we want who's threatening us and who do we have to defend ourselves from that kind of stuff now that's you can see how that's tied to politics and that uh, politics this the Fight over what the policies in any given society should be really is the struggle between different groups. And it's, it, although individuals try to participate and society as a whole tries to participate that it's really these sort of mid-sized groups that really have, uh, the advantage in that situation. Now these kind of things aren't really what's taught in school. I'm not talking about things that you can go to uh, law school or uh, get a degree in government and and learn. They don't teach this uh, way of looking at it in uh, public school, certainly not, and even in private school, where you pay a lot of money uh, to get a good education. You won't learn these kinds of things, and they're generally not even taught by parents who are aware because uh, – most people are simply not really thinking of politics in uh, these terms. Instead, they think in very superficial terms, in terms of like left and right, uh, these polarized uh, terms for it. Now, science, uh, I have some notes here about uh, how science actually comes closest, I think, to determining uh, what the rules are of reality. Uh, that's Kind of the purpose of science, uh, that's what it's about, is trying to figure out reality. But most of the effort in science goes into figuring out the inhuman rules, the things that don't have to do with human beings so much and are just the properties of nature itself. Um, I'm thinking now of math, physics, chemistry, things like that, uh, inanimate uh, properties of, of reality is another way to put it. Uh, and there have been attempts, though, to try and map this to the social sciences, to... To try and apply the the rigor of the search for the contours of reality or the nature of reality amongst human beings, um, anthropology is is one of those uh, areas of, of study. And as I've talked about in previous installments, anthropology was uh, hijacked by the Jews and um, made safe. You know that that it wasn't about race as as it was initially. Uh, uh founded and starting to discover the reality of the scientific reality of race it, it was just then that the uh the Jews entered into it and turned it all into a cultural thing and, and today uh cultural anthropology uh dominates which is uh, a jewish dominated anthropology but there are still uh efforts in science evolutionary biology is is uh, one field where things such as Competition between groups, this uh, group evolutionary strategies are discussed. Um, now, in these strategies for the struggles between groups and uh, the debate over politics, the fight over politics, it, it, it's important to acknowledge the role of cheating and lying and fraud in that struggle. And fraud and and such fraud and lying being, you know, the deliberate deception uh, for the gain of your group, uh, regardless of what it costs the other groups, because after all, you're in a struggle uh, with them. And the role of cheating and lying specifically is related to the wearing of disguises by uh, either predators or uh, parasites. And, the aspects of this, one, some of the aspects of, of this kind of cheating and lying in politics are fooling other groups into believing that there are no other groups. And I've talked about that before as everyone is us, the idea that everyone is us, this universalist attitude that um, white societies, western societies uh, seem to be based on and that it's mainly white people that buy into. Uh, another uh, aspect of cheating and lying is uh, fooling the other team or the other group into accepting enemies onto their team uh, as part of their group. So uh, if you think everybody's us, I mean, that's, it, these two things are kind of related that uh, then you can't have an enemy. And so it doesn't really matter. You know, another way uh, that this comes out is, is in downplaying the seriousness of what's at stake that it is just a game or that it's just politics and, you know, um, that it's not really an existential struggle. And so, therefore, you don't really have to think in terms of, like, using words like enemies because, after all, they're not enemies. They're just people that uh, maybe have a different opinion. That That's really a deception, uh, that idea. And part of that uh, that's t- tied up with the idea that discrimination is wrong, that you shouldn't be uh, discriminating against other people and certainly shouldn't be prejudiced against them based on um, preconceived uh, conclusions about what they are or what they want, what they're going to do, which is a lie. It's wrong. And probably the, the most important lie, of course, is that lying itself is wrong. Uh, And yet it's essential to the success of all of these different, these different aspects of this kind of uh, strategy that for a a group or a team, uh, um, a race that uses this kind of strategy, the lying is actually essential. Now, the thing about lying though is that lying to a friend is wrong. So the idea that lying is wrong is right in that sense that if you're talking about your friends or your family, your Uh, your in-group, then yes, lying is wrong. But lying to an enemy is not wrong. And that really explains why there's so much of it, is because it's people lying to their enemies. And sort of a uh, follow-on to that, a corollary to that is, when somebody lies to you and you catch them in a lie, what you've caught them demonstrating is that they regard you as an enemy. Maybe they don't even think about it consciously in those terms, but that's why they're able to lie to you is because they don't regard you as someone that they care for enough not to lie to. Now, to get in the meat uh, of these terms, left and right, there's actually a Wikipedia page on left and right politics, and um, it's based – as many of you probably already know, uh, in the politics of France, round about the revolution, uh, toward the end of the 18th century, beginning of the 19th century. And uh, it the Wikipedia page describes it as, In France, where the terms originated, the left has been called, quote, the party of movement, unquote, and the right, the party of order. The intermediate stance is called centrism, and a person with such a position is a moderate. It strikes me that the synthesis between the left's movement and the right's order equals an orderly movement forward, or at least an orderly movement. But you, you could think that the only hope for progress, for for moving towards some goal, would be to do it. To, first of all, to move. I mean, that seems obvious, but to do it in an orderly fashion as well, not to uh, just run chaotically in whatever direction you want to go because then you won't necessarily get to your goal. But that the division between left and right really isn't about synthesizing those two elements. It's about dividing them. It's about preventing them from becoming united together. It's one of the effects of polarization, the political polarization into left and right, and and giving people that perception that they have to be either left or right is a way of hamstringing uh, and preventing uh um, orderly movement cooperation so polarization and uh i you know i think as it was at the time in france it's a white population we're talking about being polarized um today it's it's more complicated now that we've got non-whites uh, in our societies and voting alongside us it's uh, it's more complicated but uh, when i'm talking about these terms left and right and and more of what i'll get into here it's it's focused on whites and from an american point of view of course because that's what i am that's what my experience is although i'm trying to keep it uh, in general terms here that apply um generally uh the terms left and right wikipedia goes on appeared during the French Revolution of 1789, when members of the National Assembly divided into supporters of the king to the president's right and supporters of the revolution to his left. So there's order and movement. Uh, One deputy explained, we began to recognize each other, those who were loyal to religion, and the king took up positions on the right of the chair so as to avoid the shouts uh, of the opposing camp. Uh, one of the slogans that's uh, well-known that came out of the revolution was uh, Liberté, Égalité, Fraternité. Uh, I'm probably mangling the French pronunciation there, but it, it means liberty, equality, and fraternity or brotherhood. The, um, that slogan was one of many, but that was the slogan of the left, and that's what prevailed in the wake of the revolution. The left in that sense, is focused on equality. And you could see that the right is focused on inequality, at least rhetorically speaking. That's no longer true anymore uh, in contemporary times. Soon after the revolution, though, the motto was actually modified, liberty, equality, fraternity, or death. And that's, in fact, what happened is it meant death, the French Revolution did, uh, for the aristocracy. It ended up leveling society by death, by murder, by guillotine, and the aristocracy was decimated. Um, left and right have since evolved into more of a divide and conquer, as I said, a, a way to keep uh, the two species. Uh, uh, complementary spirits from uniting and keep them instead divided, keep us going nowhere, uh, in a very disorganized fashion. And I think that the root of it really, that it really is, uh, native to Europeans, that, that these two separate spirits that are behind this left and right duality, that it's based on the two separate, uh, or at least um, distinct racial strains amongst Europeans, the old European uh, which tended to be ha- and have a, a mentality that was more egalitarian, more communal, uh, more reflective of of a common pe- oh, peasantry, I want to say, but uh, you know basically that we're all equal that's uh, egalitarianism. And the other strain is the Aryan strain the that invaded into Europe and, and conquered and eventually uh, melded with the old Europeans and the Aryan uh, attitude the Aryan mentality was more uh, based on hierarchy and that's where I think the um, aristocracy comes from in the the um, instinct for aristocracy but and this is where the conflict comes from it's it's you know in our uh, genes it's it's a uh, built into us uh, biologically and since most europeans are some mixture of old european and aryan that there really enough time has gone by now uh many tens of generations that that uh, we're blended and it's still uh kind of lumpy in, in certain places in europe but we see this mixture even cutting across families that families have uh, knock-down, drag-out fights over this equal and unequal uh, uh, egalitarian versus aristocracy attitudes, things that reduce down to that, um, that we identify as left and right. Now, I haven't mentioned the Jews, and, and uh, not much of this left and right really does when you see it described in the mainstream, discussed in the mainstream. Not much of it does touch on the Jews, but the Jews are there behind it all, uh, I see their role in this, not in creating left and right, but in emphasizing it, in, in harping on it, in polarizing. They are the agents that are actively um, causing us to be polarized. They're, they use their media to propagandize it, to promote it so that people think in these terms and think that these are the only terms to think in. Some other forms of this duality or or evidence of it um, well, some other names for it are blue and red, especially in the United States. they call the left blue and the right red and you'll see that often in blue states versus red states. Liberal and conservative are two words, two terms that are often used: liberal associated with left, conservative with right. There's certain instincts I think underneath this left and right that are identifiable uh, already mentioned movement versus order uh, similar you could think uh, and, and these are not necessarily good or bad things uh, uh, I don't mean to take sides here in left versus right I'm going to try and present what I think are the different poles in, in that are being polarized when we see this division between left and right on the one side the breaking of laws or the violation of taboos and, and norms versus the making of laws on the right side uh, on the left, the prioritizing of freedom versus on the right, the prioritizing of duty. Um, on the left, a, no, a, a, a sort of affinity for novelty and change. And on the right, an affinity more for tradition, stability, predictability, consistency. On the left, a preference for urban living, for cities. And on the right, more of a preference for uh, being in touch with the land uh, or rural country, um, Attitude On the left, a more secular and even nihilistic tendency, whereas on the right, there's more of a tendency toward a religious belief, spirituality. On the left, a low birth rate. thats just uh, seems to be a, a fact. And on the right, more of a high birth rate. On the left, a tendency to hope and dream. And on the right, more of a pragmatic and realistic approach. On the left, a more collectivist attitude, a broader concept of who us is, and on the right, a more individualist, a narrower idea about who us is. And this is reflected in the ideological uh, systems that are associated with left and right, specifically on the left, Marxism, and on the right, Fascism, and on the left, Socialism, and on the right, Nationalism. And keep in mind here that uh, this polarization, this idea that, that we're encouraged to think that of left and right as opposites and what purpose that serves in keeping, for instance, nationalism and socialism divided from each other. Now, how do left and right actually differ, apparently? Uh, they differ on the role of the government the two sides the people who identify as left versus right uh argue about what role government should play that's basic to to politics and policies what should the policies of government be which policies of uh, of what the government should do the uh, tax rates um abortion is one that in the united states is a strong divider between left and right and identity politics is a big one that the the left the democrats um Openly favor non-whites over whites and uh, talk in, in explicitly racial terms. And this goes back to what I've said about how the left initially was for equality. And the right, it was the right that was arguing inequality. And uh, today instead we have the left, the nominal left, the Democrats are uh, openly in favor they claim that there is an inequality in favor of whites and that they want to right that by openly favoring non-whites over whites. And on the right, you have uh, amongst the Republicans a dog whistling, a sort of um, talking in code that tends to empirically attract whites and not non-whites. But it isn't really an explicit uh, acknowledgement of race. In fact, if there's any pretense at equality these days, it's it's amongst the right. It's amongst the Republicans, the conservatives. Uh, some disappearing differences, things that were differences in the past are things like uh, attitudes about homosexuality, And immigration, Uh, both of those are shifting very quickly so that both parties, really, both sides of this political spectrum are in agreement on those things. Um, I have a few other notes here, but um, just to move it along, it's the phase that we're entering now. Things are changing uh, and shifting of of the way that left and right has been uh, defined and talked about in the past, and we're moving towards – what's being described as post-racial. And all it really is is that the old methods and terminology aren't really necessary anymore as white consciousness and numbers uh, shrivel. It's not necessary really to, to lie to whites anymore about the preference for non-whites. Um, and there's an increasing racial divide and it's becoming increasingly obvious. The, as I've said, the left affirms race. They acknowledge that race exists and it's significant. They don't, they deny that it's biological, but they acknowledge that it's important. And they base their policies on race. It's the right that is now denying race. And even when you examine closely and you see uh, someone like an ideologue like Ann Coulter, who strongly identifies as right and conservative, she even doesn't really avoid race. She talks about Race. She talks about the blacks and the browns and favors them over the whites, who she won't talk about. The most significant difference and division in politics is racial. It's not left versus right. The political discourse that's promoted by the Jewish media strongly encourages whites to identify with these social constructs, this left, right, liberal and conservative, rather than racially. And as white numbers and racial consciousness has declined, the reality is increasing, obviously.